Welcome back to Inquire, the Investor Relations Podcast. Our first series is in conversation with senior investor relations professionals in the UK. I'm delighted to be joined by Hugo Fisher today. Hugo is an accomplished investor relations director. He qualified as a chartered accountant with Deloitte before moving into corporate broking and investment banking with Horgavet and UBS. After more than 15 years' experience in London and New York advising corporate clients, he moved into investor relations in 2013, heading up investor relations with DS Smith, where he has been since. He has a wealth of experience across multiple transactions, and I'm very much looking forward to hearing his insights in today's conversation. So welcome, Hugo. Thank you very much for joining me today. So let's start by talking about your career to date and how you ended up working in investor relations. So I qualified as a chartered accountant with Deloitte, and I moved quite quickly after that into investment banking and and mainly corporate broking. Uh, most of my corporate broking career was at Horgavet, where I had the joy of briefly working with you. Excellent establishment. <laughs> Absolutely. I worked mainly in the UK, but I had uh, three years in New York doing ECM, marketing to US investors, which was great. Really, really thoroughly recommend working abroad to anyone. But after 20 years of advising some great companies, working with some fantastic people in a variety of sectors, I felt I wanted to get more involved you know, with a single company and actually get deeper into a business. And I was lucky enough to join Dear Smith nine years ago to run IR. So talk to me a little bit about how you found the transition from corporate breaking into investor relations. Was there anything that surprised you about making that transition? I think you go from a situation and working with a number of very similar people, and you're all basically doing the same job, albeit you have different clients and different relationships. And that is, you know, it's a, in a way, it's a comfort because there's a similar level of experience, similar knowledge, and there's a lot of people to bounce ideas off. When you move into a company, you are an expert in your field and, and a rare expert in your field, but it sort of the buck stops with you. And I think that was you know, really quite an interesting challenge. I guess it makes sense. It's obvious. But until you face it for the first time, I necessarily think it's going to be the case. I think it's like any business. You just need to get out and meet people, and that's both internally and externally. And I think when you move from an advisory business, a lot of that is quite straightforward. I think when you move into advising you know, internally, your function is quite small and it's very much, you need to be a self-starter. You just need to get on with stuff, roll your sleeves up and get cracking. Did you replace someone in IR or did you take over, or sorry, set up the IR function from scratch? There was one person already working in IR. We wanted to expand the function. She wanted to to work part-time. Uh, so that was, in a sense, the, the transition. And, you know, I'd like to think we worked pretty well together, you know, for, and, and actually she's just relatively recently moved on to head up IR somewhere else. So that was a good relationship and uh, I really enjoyed working with her. And did you, what do you do at the Smith in terms of sort of promoting the role of investor relations and aiding, I guess, understanding across the business? Because as you alluded to, I think one of the challenges is you are very much working, and I know you were a team of one for, for many years. So is there anything you've been doing internally that's sort of useful to share? I mean, I think having been here for nine years, I've had the pleasure of working with you know many people across the business. So hopefully that's sort of some form of 
of, if you like, self-promotion of, the, of me and the function, but undoubtedly one can do more. I think one of the other pleasures has been working with a number of different teams in terms of communication, so other external communications teams, our sustainability team, internal communications, you know, and working with them, I think they get to realize what I do and I get to realize what they do. But I'm sure there could be more. Right. And what is it about IR that's kind of kept you interested? Because you've been at DSNF for a very impressive nine years. So I know there's been a lot going on from a sort of corporate development perspective within the business. Well, I think you've summed it up pretty well. You know, my advice to anyone looking to get into IR would be, you know, find an interesting sector, find an interesting company, find a management team who, you know, you, you trust and you think will trust you. Yeah, I didn't think I'd be here nine years. I think it's just been very interesting. We've done a lot and that's definitely kept the interest levels up. I mean, obviously at the beginning, there's an element of learning about a business, learning about the function, which I'd never done specifically before, but yeah, you're right. The length of time, I think, reflects the fact we've, you know, we've done some fun things. You've done some pretty large M&A. Was, was Europac the biggest transaction you've worked on in, in recent years? And if so, any sort of learnings from the transactional side from an IR perspective? I mean, yes, it was a big transaction. It was an acquisition and we also did a big fundraising. I think it was helpful for the company if you like to sort of keep the advisors honest that I've worked on a lot of transactions from the other side. Uh, it was incredibly hard work. I don't think from the outside you realize how much internally needs to be done. And so that was certainly a learning process. But it definitely, you know, for a number of people in the finance department, as an example, you know, they've never been through acquisitions or fundraisings so it's all new you know for me it was definitely helpful that I've been through a lot of those things from the other side absolutely it's one of the the aspects of breaking I most enjoyed was the transactional side so mm. keeping IR interesting is actually sure. about being a company that's, that's doing a lot from a M&A perspective Good. And in terms of so what's been the biggest challenge then, you think, working in investor relations, you've, you've been here through Method 2, you've worked as a team of one for, for the majority of your, your nine years at the Smith. What do you think has been the most challenging aspects you faced during that time? I think it's keeping the level of enthusiasm, trying to continually improve the function. You know, even when, as you say, you're, you know, it's a relatively small team, it's easy to you know do something is because that's the way it's always been done. As I say, I think you know we've been lucky. We've done some interesting things, and you know the industry is evolving, the business is evolving, so that keeps it keeps it fresh. And obviously, we try and keep the whole you know investment case and the investment story and the messaging to investors fresh. But I think you know depending on your business that you're in, I can see in some businesses that keeping the interest level, you know, for five plus years could be quite a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I think having worked in a few in-house roles, you, you definitely need to be an organization that's growing, developing where your equity story is evolving, because that's really what keeps IR interesting. You have the same conversation with, with every investor and analyst. So it, it's really helpful, I think, to be at a company that's doing a lot. I think the other thing is that I talk to some of my peers, I think some of the challenge and, and maybe more so over the last couple of years has been, you know, the reduced interaction, you know, face to face with people. I mean, that's definitely been 
a challenge. Building new relationships is definitely pretty hard over Teams or Zooms. It's fine with people you know, you know, and getting out and about within the business. You know, again, I've just got someone who's joined the IR team, but she's yet to be able to go and visit a site and actually see us make stuff. You know, we've got a load of new analysts in the last six months. None of them have been able to actually go out and, and understand what the real business actually looks like. You know, that's a real challenge. I think where I've been fortunate, where, where again, some others struggle, is, you know, access to the senior team. and. I would say that, again, giving an advice to anyone thinking about a career in IR, that is really, really, really important. I think if you don't have access to the senior team, it would, A, make the job a lot less interesting and B, really hamper your ability to do the job properly. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really sound advice. And just talking about the senior level management, um, do you get much interaction with the board? Do you have the opportunity to present and talk around IR matters and investor feedback at board level? Um, yeah, I do. No, I mean, I, I'm a, I would say a regular at most or parts of most of the board meetings. I guess it's fair to say I'm probably there more often and get more questions if the share price hasn't been performing brilliant rather than just wheeled in to congratulate me. But no, I think um, both the senior executive team and you know the non-execs, I think they're, they're genuinely very interested. And yeah, I feel very much included in any debate that's sort of relevant to investor relations so yeah again it, that's i think i think it's important but i obviously would say that has anything become more efficient do you think as a result of covid and, and digital comms well yesterday yesterday i did a roadshow that involved new york denver chicago and san diego oh there we go and, and i did that in four hours as opposed to four days um, so it's slightly flip and common but and all those people, I would say we have a good relationship with yep. and have spent many times in either the UK or their offices seeing them. So that's fine. That worked pretty well. So I do think that's been pretty do you efficient. Think, do you think with the US you're going to do a sort of hybrid then going forwards where you meet new people face-to-face in kind of key locations and sort of for the more regional areas, you'll, you'll continue to stay virtual? What's the, the plan? Well, I think the plan is because we've missed two years, we need to sort of get back and re-engage. But after that, what is the new norm? I think you're right. It must be a bit of a it must be a bit of a hybrid. Yeah. And conferences, how's been, how's your experience of conferences been in a virtual format? I would say that the one-on-ones have, have worked pretty well. Again, obviously, that it's better with people you know. I'd say some of the group meetings have been less successful. What I would say is they need to be managed pretty well by whether it's an analyst or, or someone managing the conference, because otherwise you tend to find, you know, you get one or two people dominating it, or indeed you, you get people slightly nervous about asking questions. It's not that I would say is probably an area that has not been fantastic. I, I've had a lot of tumbleweed moments in group investor yeah. meetings at conferences because I think there's almost a reliance that someone else will come prepared and ask questions. So, so yeah, as we do exactly that. We we always make sure that the house analyst or the host yeah. analyst of that conference is, is on the call. Personally, I think something I, I do miss some of the larger international conferences, so the kind of global conferences in certain sectors will have an event every year. And the thing I've missed about the face-to-face events is the interaction you actually get with the other 
by our professionals. It's really helpful at the end of the day to kind of compare notes on, on the meetings. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, as I was saying earlier, the you're you're a small team within a company, and you're the you're the, you're the only people that do IR and, and do your function. So yes, mixing with peers is definitely something that I've missed for sure. Is that how do you kind of stay on top of sort of trends in IR generally? Do you have time to attend any webinars or events or networking groups of peers? Um, I think we've got some pretty good advisors. You know, I've still got a lot of friends and colleagues that one maybe in, in an informal way find out a little bit more about what's going on in the in the sort of broking and IR world. Yes, we do look at areas that we could do better, whether it's seminars and yeah, there's no shortage of people trying to advise us on trends in IR. I mean, there's a there's a mix in maybe the quality of that advice, but uh, you know, there's definitely some good stuff. So there's no, I don't think there's a shortage of opportunity. The challenge is finding the time to do it. Yeah, and prioritizing. I think it. probably the biggest area that we're working on, and again, there's a huge variety of, of people. It's a whole new industry. Is ESG. Look, that's a great segue into my next set of questions, actually. So how, with India Smith, how do you manage sort of communication around ESG matters? Does it sit with your function in investor relations? Do you have colleagues with who are more specialized in sustainability who support you? I mean, communication with investors on any topic fits within our, our function. But, and you'll be aware clearly, the ESG meetings can vary in their level of detail absolutely enormously. So whether we need, call it additional specific expertise, is you never know. But we're lucky that sustainability and ESG is not actually that new to Deer Smith. Frankly, our customers have been wanting it for you know many, many years. So we have a very good sustainability team. And so, yes, we draw heavily on, on their support. And I would say, unsurprisingly, the the level of interaction with investors in relation to sustainability has just increased exponentially. So, yeah, it's a mix is the answer. Does the team join meetings or is it all kind of channeled through you in terms of Q&A with investors? Oh, the team definitely definitely join meetings, yes. You know, typically, you know, you'll be one of the IR team and one of, and one of the, the senior sustainability team. I mean, you're right, specific queries, you know, people are asking more and more that may be covered by email or whatever, but the meetings, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a mix. Do you have any plans for a specific maybe ESG roadshow or do you tag on a sort of sustainability part to an existing sort of roadshow meeting? How are you handling the comms piece around ESG? Um, yes, we've done some specific ESG roadshows. I would say also that's one area I think that the conferences can be pretty good. And it's a new, exciting area, and a lot of brokers are trying to, you know, be the leader in that space. So I know we've got uh, two conferences in the next couple of months, you know, which are solely focused on ESG. Uh, one in the UK, and hopefully one live in New York in in the spring. It's a fascinating area. I mean, I find it just personally really, really interesting. I think it's it's important for for businesses and it's just important for the way we all live our lives so it's just a, a very interesting topic but but it's massively evolving and i think the the level of questions and the, frankly the quality of the analysis whether that's in-house or by some of the agencies is is still pretty variable 
it's variable and it's, it's got very different focus areas. So you sort of, you need to become a semi-specialist or generalist almost. And it's such a span of different issues that it's, I think that's the challenge for our professionals, particularly if you don't have the benefit of an internal sustainability team. It's really trying to know what to prioritize from a commons perspective and understanding perspective and which sort of surveys um, you should be prioritizing. Is there anything I saw you set out as sort of a CO2 emissions targets? Is that kind of the main focus in terms of your comms and your strategy? Or is there anything else you can highlight from a um, perspective? Look, I think for us, actually, the sustainability, as I said, it's not new. And, you know, I think for any company, it's a risk and a cost. For us, obviously, it's a risk and a cost and not an insignificant cost. But it's also for us, it's an opportunity and it's actually, you know, part of our whole strategy. So there's sort of the there's the carbon, there's water, waste, you know, all the other things, supply chain, sourcing, all the things that to do with our own business. But actually, in a way, for us, the at least as interesting is you know how we can help customers with their sustainability commitments. So as an example, you know, we make corrugated packaging. You know, we're working with you know multiple customers on how they can replace plastic packaging with corrugated as an example we work on making packaging more efficient so that they can use less packaging so that you know you keep less trucks on the road which reduces not only their cost but the carbon footprint so how we can help customers is you know as important as as what we're doing and how we operate our own business but both are important that's really interesting it's a great answer Good. Okay. And then I know you've hired into your team recently. So you've grown from a team of one. You've now got someone supporting you, which is fantastic. Just in terms of, I guess, some of the more junior IR professionals or anyone new to IR listening, what skill set do you think is quite critical to succeeding in investor relations? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, good analytical skills is a strong basis. You're dealing with generally financially literate people. So if you can't analyze things quite well, you're going to struggle. I think the ability to distill complicated things into something relatively simple is pretty important. I think you need to roll your sleeves up because anyone who's done IR will realize that you go from the sublime to the ridiculous. You're dealing with some very, very senior people at the top of businesses and the top of you know, fund management organizations and at the other end of the spectrum, you're doing some very mundane and but very necessary tasks. I think finally, you know, a bit of dis- diplomacy, a bit of patience, probably a good sense of humor will serve you well in, a, in the IR world. I agree. I think you need quite a high level of emotional intelligence, actually, to, to deal with some some certain individuals within the business. So it touches on a lot of skill sets, but I think that's why it's such a rewarding career. And is there a sort of common mistake you see from IR professionals or something you wish people would, would do differently when you sort of observe how people are communicating with investors? I think there is possibly a tendency to overcomplicate things. I think it's really important that as an IR professional, you you understand and really know the detail, but there, there possibly is a tendency to get bogged down in it. And as we were discussing earlier, I think, you know, big picture messaging, you know, start with that. And if you need to go into the detail and display, you know, because people want to get into the detail, that's fine, but don't start with the detail. 
start with the big picture and drill down rather than than vice versa. I think the other thing, which is you know maybe a function of the world these days, is probably there is less you know face to face you know or spoken communication. A lot gets done on email. You know, I think that's potentially a bit of a shame. I mean, you know, it's a, it's an incredibly useful tool, but you know, speaking to people. I think you can you can both deliver, but also get a lot of value out of that. It's more efficient, I think, sometimes just to pick up the phone as well, because you can bottom off questions faster in a less formal context, still giving the same information, but also you can use it as an opportunity to, exactly as you say, build that relationship and get any more broad feedback or ask answer any follow up questions as well. So I agree completely. It all comes back to those sort of relationships we're trying to build in our role. Good. And then the question around investor engagement, do you do much on the retail investor side? Do you communicate with that audience outside of the AGM? Well, we have a lot of, I mean, clearly we have a lot of employee shareholders. We've got 30,000 employees of which, you know, a good proportion own shares. So that's an important uh, audience. We have a number of, you know, retail brokers, you know, where we present to a number of their, you know, I can think of examples where we speak to, you know, multiple fund managers from all the regions, you know, within when we go and present to them. Other than that, you know, hopefully we keep our our website engaging and, you know, attractive to the retail environment. But, you know, I'm well aware that the major investors clearly are the institutional base. So that's where we where we spend the majority of our time. Great. And just like before I wrap up, is there anything else you've got planned for 2022, which is worth sharing today or anything that we've not touched on yet, which is useful for others to, to be aware of? No, look, I think it will be, you know, an element of more of the same. I think there, there will be more ESG engagement. I mean, I can't see that being any less as we move forward. You know, my real wish is that for the rest of the year is that there's more face-to-face both internally, but you know, we're now back in an office, which is fantastic. But certainly externally, would look to to actually, uh, you know, reestablish some relationships, get around the business, you know, meet some new people. I mean, it's scary how many people, you know, have joined the business in, in the last two years that one's never met face-to-face. Yeah, and I think you're right. Actually, tra- training people within the team is particularly challenging because there's so much you learn just by being around someone, observing someone's working style and habits, and and even just the you know the investor meetings are so much more formal. I find on Zoom, so being able to kind of have those little conversations immediately after the meeting is super beneficial. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I often think one gets a flavour of of what investors are thinking, their general mood. You know, walking to and from the lift, or you know organizing a coffee with them rather than necessarily the formal bit of the meeting. And you definitely miss that. And, and it's exactly the same with internal meetings. You know, I really miss the, you know, we're a business in, you know, 35 countries. I'm not saying they all come to through head office that often, but historically, you know, the main members of the management team, you know, would be in and out all the time and, and actually catching up with them on an informal ad hoc basis is really, really valuable for anyone in IR when you have to organize it and be more formal and set up a team's call, it just loses a lot of the spontaneity for it. And that's definitely something I've missed and I'm looking forward to doing more of. Great. Before I wrap up, any questions for me? You can say no. (laughs) I think, firstly, thank you for having me on. And secondly, congratulations on the continued development of Equatory. I'm sure you don't miss working with me, but I've I've looked looked at its success from afar and and it's uh, fantastic to see. 
Well, the great thing about, I think, coming out, breaking into IR is, is the network, actually. And it's, you know, our colleagues have gone on to work at different investment banks in corporate breaking and various sort of internal corporate roles as well, including investor relations. So for me, the biggest benefit is, is, is that network and just having contacts all over the city. It's Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, and I feel that, that I've been lucky to work with some, some great people. And, you know, it is, as you say, a very small world. My final talk to anyone you know in our industry is don't burn bridges because it is a small world and you know i think that's uh, someone gave me that bit of advice quite early on and i think it's a good bit of advice no i agree completely great well thanks so much for joining me today hugo it's been fantastic Jack- a Jack- pleasure a pleasure and thank you for joining inquire the investor relations podcast please look out for our next episode in conversation with senior investor relations professionals in the uk